Introducing the Nihilist Pryor and Wilder, the Autistic Ebert and Roper, the Leftist Melter and Alvarez, the Mixed Race Jesus and Mero, the Human Kissinger and Nixon, Denar Dale and Sam Legault in Weeaboo Hell. It's Weeaboo Hell. Just thought I had some fun with it. I think this is our 30th. If it's not our 30th, then it's our 29th. I'm going to fucking hate myself. Especially it's totally our 30th. I remember looking at our last episode and being like, oh, man, we got an anniversary or something coming up. Well, an anniversary, but milestone? Yeah, milestone. Let's go milestone. with that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 30 episodes. We were like grown-up podcaster boys, and it's exactly 30 weeks from when we started. Yes. We've maintained an impeccable release schedule, and I'm proud of us both. We're like people. We got our stuff together in our 20s. Absolutely. I, uh, I'm i not feeling like I'm about to leave my 20s with a whole bunch of stuff undone. No, only a loser would think something like that. That'd be crazy. I don't look back at the flaming wreckage of the period between 23 to 26 as if it was a car accident in which I lost two of my legs. Maybe three. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ask me how three would be possible, but it feels like the right number for what I'm describing. Hey, out of our two shows, by the way, the one that isn't stupid bullshit covers the, I guess, late 20s? Well, I guess half of them are late 20s, half of them are early 30s. Yeah, they, they seem to be in their mid to late 20s. Yeah, do you want to do the good one first, or... Uh, no. No, okay, cool, we'll start with the, no, we'll I start don't. With the spikes, we'll start with the poisons, we'll start with the pine needles in your urethra. What do you get <laughs> when you cross Isekai with gotcha anime? Is that the plot of Hellgate London? That's how the Hellgate uh, opens up, right? The punchline to this joke is I had a dissociative episode while watching this. <laughs> so fun fact about this episode, people. We were going to watch uh, two shows sight unseen. The one we're about to discuss, Princess Connect semicolon redive or this thing which you still haven't seen called plunderer but princess connect killed so much of this motherfucker's spirit that we're spreading the second half of talking about something we watched last week i hate anime it's for losers if you like anime fuck you true like watching anime tends to be a mistake i think you can point it out in the timeline of someone's autobiography as a point where things get tangibly worse for them. In the music autobiography, it is when someone hands them a white line at a party. I want to talk about what happened to me while we were watching this show before we actually get into the content of the show. And, oh man, you could write the world's shortest content. book about the content present in this show. Because... It just seems like a misnomer saying that this show has content in it. It's more um, like a simulacrum of content. Like if an AI was just fed, you know, like the top anime of the last 10 years or so and told to reproduce something that people would watch, right? Princess Connect Redive yep. is the anime that it would procedurally generate like so many Bloodborne dungeons. Yeah, and it wouldn't even have that sort of punk rock charm a lot of the procedurally generated shit has. This is mechanically put together in a way that has a certain human touch of someone who's behind on their mortgage and just doesn't really care about animation or its potential anymore. 
Someone that looks at the Scott McClouds of the world and feels none of that fire in their heart or soul anymore. Maybe they did once, don't. but... <laughs> no, I, I was going to talk about what happened to me during this episode, and honest to fucking God, I remember just sitting there on the couch watching this. Now I feel like this is deja vu or something, but it's like I, I feel like I said the same thing about Azure Lane or something like that you know, a while ago. I was just sort of sitting on the couch watching this show and the universe was moving and I wasn't. I remember this. I'm not sure if it was Azure Lane, but we described it specifically as drifting out of your body and Mastodon's Crack the Sky off of Crack the Sky starts playing. And you look just, back at all the lives your ancestors led before you. I was aware of every single alternate universe and timeline, right? Yeah. I saw how meaningless every choice I could make in any situation really is as I stood at the nexus of the universe in front of this fucking TV watching this god-awful, I guess, Konosuba clone? That's, that's, I guess, what this is. About 75% of this show's content is trying to riff off of the very simple, easily stealable... Let me put it this way. If you gave me $20,000 and told me to rip off Konosuba, I could give you an 8 out of 10 show. So, I'm not even pining for originality here, right? I think think those two points it gets off are, you're just fucking doing Konosuba. (laughs) It's like, yeah, sure, it's still funny. Yeah, I still got you to do, like shoot milk from your nose twice with my stolen jokes. I don't know, I don't know what you want from this deal. <laughs> but it's essentially about seventy-five percent Konosuba knockoff, and then they try to lean in and eke serious drama out of it at the same time. Which I don't know. Until I said that out loud, I didn't know what it would be like if Don Quixote was a piece of shit. <laughs> Like, he tilted windmills, but also sucks and you hate him. <laughs> because that is essentially what the show does to itself structurally of that. So it's called Princess Connect. As far as I can tell, I could check the computer. I could look this up. I don't care enough because they didn't care. But it seems that our main protagonist here is surrounded by various princesses of, I don't know, bangable quality. <laughs> Something something waifu gallery at the end of the first episode they treat you to this fucking montage of all your favorite waifus from the game because yeah this is a fucking gotcha game adaptation the the gods answered my call I begged them to end isekai and they said okay and they <laughs> spat out gotcha anime I just th- this fucking crevice from hell opened up in the ground and out of it climbed this fucking genre which you I'm going to spend the next ten years being tired to of. To cast Isekai into the chasm of inequity. The contract is sealed. <laughs> is this not what you asked? Is this not the future you fought for? Have I not freed you from weeaboo hell? I, I am Faust on this day. <laughs> I've made a bargain. Uh, a terrible bargain. What's the old TV trope saying? Nice job breaking it, hero. Because, yeah, I am I am seeing, I am noticing fewer and fewer isekai. I mean, this one kind of non-inclusive, hilariously, because 
Oh man, do you ever just get the sense that a show hates you? Like really fucking hates you? Do I get a sense that it hates me? This one hates you kind of in the way that I think in my imagination an escort gives a John a look of dead-eyed contempt and then has to I... eke a smile from the corner of her soul and say, are you ready for some peppy Genki adventures? I am. <laughs> I'm smiling, protagonist Kuhn. All right, premise of this show, right? Uh, and it's a pretty, uh, it's a pretty thin one, so this isn't gonna take long. Yeah, a, a dude wakes up in. Dude wakes up in fantasy, whatever the fuck. He has amnesia. He's basically a blank slate. Uh, the, I think there's this sort of gag where him being such a blank slate means that he's kind of a moron. But uh, if it was supposed to be funny, it's not. Uh, then there are waifus. There we go. Uh, that's the show. Uh, they 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 eat things a whole lot. That's sort of, that's sort of a like secondary focus of the show is that they like cooking and eating. Oh yeah, things. I believe they're called the gourmet crew or gourmet guild or. Yeah, again, I dissociated union. while we were watching this, so uh, my my memories of it are, I'm gonna say vague. It's not that they're not there. I know what happened in it. Um, after a certain point, though, like the words just kind of, you know became peanuts teachers uh in my head um like from the fucking charlie brown specials i don't really know any of their names no no that's not entirely true one of them is called pecorine oh yes pecorine is our functional plot heavy but we have to give isekai dude a bunch of screen time even though if he had a stroke and the oracle was just dedicated to this princess you have the same show you'd have the same waifu gallery you might even get a secondary demographic in there of all the fucking lesier thing. I know people would milk for everything it's worth, but mm-hmm. we must have Isekai Man or evidently our audience will run screaming into the hilltops. It's odd. The show almost seems resentful of the fact that he needs to be there even. <laughs> He's just been yoked upon them. By the way, when it comes to your dissociation in this program, mm-hmm. it's interesting to me because we almost had appreciation in our journey of how the worst trash we encounter on this podcast treats us because while you're just dissociated as a self-defense mechanism i think i've become unkillable like i think it's part of me now i mean you're the one who fucking tanked what the fuck is it called eramanga sensei like it was fucking anixia's lair (laughs) i don't think i could have done that i mean you saw my reaction to interspecies reviewers, right? I yeah, you could not get died. 10 minutes into that fucking thing. And I think I have that X-Men Marvel Comics thing where, you know, they call the X-Men homo superior instead of sapien. I think I think I just need to change the second Latin word. I've become homo garbagius or something. <laughs> homo rubicius. Something that does not belong. <laughs> By the way, what is, it's a pity what is this to fucking... talk about in a show that sucks all around this much, but I kind of just want to get this one-liner us? into the ecosystem. Yeah, go for it. Do it. Do it. What, Which what is the fuck just, else is there? It doesn't the matter. Nothing matters. <laughs> the character designs are awful. And when I say they're awful, I specifically mean that they look like... Take a Final Fantasy universe... And on the machines that are in all the sort of tech punkier ones, imagine that they're playing their universe as Final Fantasy. And within that universe, they're playing a parody of Final Fantasy. And that's just what half the people in this fucker dress like. 
I think the word that I would like to use for the character designs in this show is uh, cloying. They're <laughs> cloying. Oh, I mean, you gotta save the word cloying for the plot. What plot? There's no. There's no. There's oh no no no! Plot see, to no call you're cloying. wrong. Yeah, I guess there is or something. Ugh. There's no story. There is a plot, and there is a difference, as any fucking Dan Harmon cultist will punt at you. Oh God, I. There is oodles of plot. There's this thing that has a Kingdom Hearts knockoff character design. I guess that's why I was thinking of Final Fantasy. The fucking. I'm exhausted even talking about this. Yeah, there is there is a plot. I guess one of them is a princess. It's a twist that's a princess on a show called Princess called... Connect, where she wears a crown, and I want all of you to die. Yeah, someone really needs to fucking pay for this. <laughs> I want my revenge. On, you know, someone. When it comes to the fucking Konosuba, 75% of this thing. Yeah. Bad comedy is just hard to get. Oh, yeah. What is the opposite of laughter? What do you call the opposite of laughter? If I were to drop my own autobiography, I think it's Dead Mom. This show feels like Dead Mom. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus fuck. Well, here's the thing. It's because the opposite of tears definitely is laughter, right? But this did not make me cry. Um, It just... Nor did it really make me angry so much. Um, Nor did I feel like secondhand cringe or anything from it uh which are I, all i, I might have gotten you a, know sort a, a of hint reactions. of secondhand cringe off of this one just sort of thinking about the community glomping onto this bitch by the way this motherfucker had a 7.2 out of 10 or some shit when i was looking it up you people are fucking dirty liars <laughs> i don't know if this was like a hit by a rival podcast or something <laughs> <laughs> Like, this is their way of taking us out of the goddamn game, but good job. All of you have forgotten the faces of your fathers. None of you fucking know what you're talking about, clearly. And if you do, it's so that you can lie. Seven point This is the most joyless fucking thing I have experienced since my last depressive episode. A couple of weeks ago. I feel like this thing almost triggered a depressive episode. I was worried that I'd, like, made your life worse by just picking this name off the goddamn list. It fucking might have. I don't know. I've got, you know, my, my birthday week is now. So I'm, you know, I'm in, I'm in fairly high spirits because I've got a whole bunch of new cooking toys to play with. So that's been fun. And it's probably the only fucking thing that has, uh, yes, kept me from experiencing a full-on fucking depressive episode because i already experienced a dissociative one just again staring at the nexus of universes thinking that the only meaningful action i could ever possibly take would be to somehow end everything yeah you just brought him right on that old uh, dr manhattan thanos frontier honestly god i was at that moment at that moment watching that show watching you know the fucking wolf gag not hit for the third time in the row I was Dr. Manhattan sitting on the surface of Mars with an old photograph of myself from before. So when he says wolf gag, I'm going to just zoom in on this because it's interesting to me in terms of bad comedy. And it's very also symptomatic. because it'll just make this episode a little more grounded in specifics. Emblematic, not symptomatic. Emblematic. It captures it. Yeah. So very early on in the first episode, our erstwhile hero 
is being approached by our erstwhile heroine or I guess tertiary heroine in the structure. Of a erstwhile her. I don't fucking care. It's, it's hard to. It's very hard to. So he's being approached by this young magic lolly or whatever the fuck. And they're about to have one of those sort of dramatic, I don't know, Link encounters Zelda sleeping in the fucking Chamber of Time moments. Mm-hmm. And then a cross-eyed wolf with a wacky design starts biting him and shaking him awake. Two of them. There are two. There are two. I wonder if they thought that would be funnier if there were and two. This is interesting to me because this is a really simple gag. And in the abstract, I could be laughing. And it kind of makes me wonder if even just the basic trust lost by the content I've been exposed to thus far. Like, in terms of playing the isekai thing as straight as possible, this show opens with our fake main hero guy talking to an isekai goddess who is unironically as worthless as Aqua, which is weird because they're trying to riff or rip off that sort of Konosuba tone in a lot of other places, but they don't do anything with that here. Whatever. I don't care. Maybe it's because... Actually, I know why it is. The problem with the comedy on this fucking show is that no one sells. Yes. Konosuba understands this, right? Slapstick depends on characters who have made some pretensions at dignity, having that dignity removed from them. That is why it is funnier to see unfortunate things happen to cats than it is to see unfortunate things happen to dogs. Because cats play like they're cool. Dogs don't even pretend. So when an unfortunate thing happens to a dog, it's not as funny because the dog stands to lose far less than the cat does. Um, right? Uh, so that's that's just how slapstick works, in case y'all needed a remender. The problem is that these characters are never stripped of their dignity. Because MC guy does not have any dignity, it doesn't matter when unfortunate things happen to him. Because he is as blank and characterless as possible, right? It's almost intentional that he is so without a personality or even a soul. Hold on. To stave off the hate mail, I shouldn't say it's almost intentional. They have it underlined three times as a gag that they have basically given us a mannequin, but they do not realize they have just broken one of the basic mechanisms of this fucking show. Go on, sorry. doesn't matter. Nothing matters. Yeah, yeah. Again, again. Death comes to all of us. Because we got some pushback on a fucking, you know, thing I said about Tower of God, here's the thing. I'm so certain that there is an in-universe explanation for this. They practically give you the in-universe explanation for this. I don't care what that <laughs> explanation is if it's still lame and sucks anyway. And it is, and it does. It's a real big bag of nothing. What you were saying about the slapstick, right, is that he is the only one who, you know, bad things happen to and, you know, he seems to actually suffer negative consequences, right? When bad things happen to other members of the cast... It's always in a different way, but you never actually see them happening to them. They're never actually stripped of their dignity on camera. I remember the closest we came to it and, you know, what we watched mm-hmm. was uh, the fucking obligatory cat girl got crushed by a uh, monster thing, whoever, that got punched across a field or something, right? And it happened off camera. 
you didn't see the impact. You just saw the, you know, the uh, the aftermath of it where she's, you know, lying down, you know, prone. And it's not funny. She's just lying down. And it's not timed in such a way where the gag is that, you know, you didn't see the funny thing happen. You're only left to interpret the consequences of it because you know what those consequences are. You know exactly what happened. It just seems like they cheated by not animating it. And then just, you know, showing a drawing of, you know, cat girl waifu on the ground, you know, having bumped her noggin. And that's the closest any of them come to selling, right, for the slapstick. The comedy half of the show is kind of screwed from the jump. It's because in the so studio, with it having the whole gotcha waifu gallery thing, they are stuck with half the cast, half the subjects of potential setups for punchlines thinking... That's someone's waifu you're fucking with. You can't fuck with their waifu. No. No, they That'll hurt downloads. What are you doing? They can't you can't you can't do that. You can't have them sell for your slapstick. Well then why fucking do slapstick? Do character comedy instead. Have it be a farce. Fucking do anything. Yeah, I know slapstick I know you think slapstick is easy, but it's not. It's hard. It depends on timing and execution and and mostly timing. This show's fucking comedy, it's not offensive in any way because it doesn't have content, but the overall skill level just reminds me of going to open mic nights and there is always, there is always that one guy, slightly paunchy, never large, just paunchy, never skinny, exactly paunchy, trust me. Mm-hmm. And he will always launch after, you know, just a joke about dating or being ethnicity in the city. He will just launch into his fucking trans 15. <laughs> <laughs> the fucking searing insight about like trans people that's been bubbling in the back of his head and at some point you'll hit the words cut their dicks off in his fucking rant yeah I I've been to that open mic with you a couple times now I have seen that exact paunchy dude I think all those dudes should start a sketch collective there's a dark and terrible brand there, and if this can get a show, they can get a show. My point, funny might be money. I won't dispute that. I won't say don't make comedies. Comedies are great. I won't say don't try to have fun at the isekai thing. Someone is going to make buckets of money parodying this. So well, someone already did it with the fucking Konosuba thing. Yeah, Konosuba was fucking hilarious. Someone make buckets of money with a mean-spirited parody of this at some point. I mean, Konosuba is pretty mean-spirited. Yeah, but the joke's on the people more than the medium. Yeah, I get that. It's more Seinfeld than it is always sunny. Yeah, exactly, exactly. The reason that there's money there is that it's fucking tough. It's fucking tough, and you can fuck it up. You can fall on your face and crack it open. And I know when I talk about the, the comedy here, it betrays a complete lack of engagement with the plottier half of the show, which does exist and try to do things. And that's because when the plotty half kicks in... I'm the wave rider between the realms. Like, Sam's all the way there in the dissociative world, and I'm half down here taking notes. I feel like fucking Ghost Rider. (laughs) (laughs) Collecting the bounties of trash anime for the fucking devil. That's why it's called Weeaboo Hell. That's canon from now on. I am Weeaboo Ghost Rider. (laughs) No, you know what it actually feels like? Uh, Remember... Mark Wade's, you know, Fantastic Kingdom Come and how the whole thing was like kind of a frame story as, you know, this one, you know, fairly normal dude is being, you know, kind of dragged through these events um, by, was it the Phantom Stranger or the Spectre? 
It was one of them, right? King of Kumb, I think, was a Spectre. I think it was the Spectre. Yeah, no, I see it sort of more like that. I am that normal dude. I, I think he's a magazine editor or something like that, and you are the Spectre. <laughs> we're, we're just sort of witnessing something far less impressive than the events of Kingdom Come, but just as destructive from a certain <laughs> standpoint. That is an excellent point. If you look at it a certain way. I like that. I like that. Before I kick this thing out of my fucking brain, I just want to share a little game I played with myself with you people. Mm-hmm. Normally I have a list for this kind of thing. This time I just have one answer. I thought to myself, okay, Denard, let's play by this thing's rules. What change would it take in the program as presented for you to find what has happened and what will happen interesting? And I thought about it. And I decided that what it would take would be for the protagonist in his pre-Isekai teleportation life, pre-amnesia life, to have been Gaddafi. (laughs) This is Gaddafi running around with all these princesses, playing around with royalty, trying to worm his way into a position of power before we can turn on the people and start the reign of terror. Hmm. What would make this work for me? Okay, let's play. I could be projecting. In fact, I'm projecting. I think this would be funnier or would work for me, right? If all the characters... Because this is this show is kind of meta, right? He's mm-hmm. not an isekai protagonist per se. He is an RPG protagonist, right? This whole thing works for me. Just 15% more if everyone is just just a little bit aware that they're in yet another one of these fucking shows. Oh man, everyone just looks tired. (laughs) And they're tired and kind of in despair. They know that there's no way out of this. They know exactly what's going to happen. (laughs) They know exactly what's happened before. They know exactly what their fucking role is. Like, Pecorine, you know, like, the one, you know, sort of Again, lab designed to be, you know, big titty best girl. It feels deeply fucking uncomfortable with the fact that she knows that there are the eyes of, you know, like a million single men on her. Amazing. She's vaguely aware of, you know, doujinshis and their existence. That's the version of this show that I think is halfway enjoyable. You have a vision. You have a vision. What was the name of that one show by the Black Lagoon guy, Re something? Oh, recreators, yeah. So that's, you basically like, put close together to like a sunny in Philadelphia version of recreators, and I'm kind of with you <laughs> on that. <laughs> I fucking loved recreators. Recreators was a rule. good time. Yeah, I mean, again, that was a lot of people dealing with the eye of fucking fiction on them. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting what happens when you reverse the isekai formula, right? You get either recreators or the devil is a part timer, and both were very good. I guess the. Uh, inverse square root of garbage is recycling and that's good for the planet it's like uh multiplying a negative number with another negative number or something i don't know does that track i feel like that tracks yeah it comes out positive it it tracks wait does it fuck it does come out positive yes i remember that much from eighth grade math if very little hey, else. In case you guys can't tell from the great diction we bring these conversations, we are doing what a, the fuck is a double cosine? major. <laughs> sorry, a double feature of English majors here. Yeah. But it's, I uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but I, uh, I'm i in the humanities. 
I don't know what a gluon is. I've heard the word. I know it's in an atom. I can a only gluon. assume it glues things together. Is that like... It's that know, paste. Is that... Subatomic paste. I thought that was like when you were building a gun plat and, you know, it breaks. So you have to, um, you know... Oh, man, I put together a laughter gun plot the other day, by the way. A laughter? Well, her... The, her oh, laughter's... Gov- oh, fuck yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, the thing is cool. It's, it's arms tucked into the thing in the back. It was the kind of thing the protagonist in our next fucking show, Wotokoi, or... Hold on, real title. Wotokoi, Love is Hard for Otaku. There you go, it's just the it's title. kind of thing those plus. guys would, would buy, because this is a show that is... Very familiar and slightly distinct at the same time, which makes it interesting talk, I think. Yes. This is the show that we're covering on this episode because we were going to do a different show. Uh, we were going to watch it together last night. And then Princess Connect Redive left me so without any hope or joy or desire to do anything in my heart that I just... We just resolved... This is just the fucking anime that I watched this week. You know, I wasn't going to talk about it or anything. It was just, you know, what I was watching with my fiance this week. So I had to not watch it. Yeah, believe it or not, we do passively enjoy and consume anime in context beyond jawing about it here. Yeah, I'm not some fucking asshole who despises anime and, you know, just watches it, you know, with the intention of yelling at I, I, I do think that the last few episodes in a row have been, you know, about stuff that we enjoyed weeb-wise, right? So, yeah, the, I'm hoping that I... The tone's been good. I'm lately. hoping that you have not lost faith in me. But I liked this show. It was nice. It held my attention. It was never actively annoying. Sometimes it was quite funny. Denard, on to you. I was constantly buying in and out of this show. It's kind of interesting to me in that way. I guess I have strong reactions to its different moments. Yeah, okay. Sometimes when I watch something like this, I try to be very conscious of trying to meet it in the pool it's playing in. Because this is a slice-of-life show, which is not my favorite gear of things. Somewhere between high school and college, someone leaned into me and said, if you want to pass this class, I need to get this in your brain. You are writing because this is the most interesting day of your fucking character's life, or you're wasting my Ah. goddamn time. And that is the entire ethos that Slice of Life is the punk rock against. And here I am playing fucking Genesis Licks for like 15 minutes. <laughs> and, sli- and here this show and its compatriots come in kicking in the door. Sometimes of Moe Blob screaming, Four chords and the truth! And I'm going to try to sort of be conscious of that throughout my review here. For the sake of clarity, uh, you're talking about Peter Gabriel's Genesis, right? Not Phil Collins? Good half of Genesis. The good half of Genesis. Okay, cool. Just, yeah, because, yeah. I don't know, maybe it would have been more apt to say the good quarter of Dream Theater, but you know what I mean. Of course. So, premise-wise, this is uh, just a show about uh, 20-somethings in the workplace and their dating lives. It's about a pair of two relationships, one of them new, one of them old, one of them that, you know, began, like, way back in high school and is now, like, at this point, seems to be about a 10-year-old relationship. And one that uh, is, you know, a couple of months old, if that. And they're all nerds of certain stripes. Um, one of them is, you know, very much into 
the doujinshi life. One of them is just about video games. Uh, a third one is very into cosplay, and a fourth one is um, you know, your chaos undivided. Uh, otaku. <laughs> They finally broke through the Cadian Gate. Okay, like three years ago, but I only check in like every three years. I don't even acknowledge that there is canon in that universe. Uh, it, it it doesn't matter to me. The premise is everything. That's a really healthy way to engage with Warhammer 40k and not meet too many Nazis. Like, it's all, it's either backstory or it's, you know, okay, so, you know, the Battle of Coke Can Hill. I feel some sympathy for the Warhammer 40k developers in terms of when they came up with the product and where they are now. In terms of the people they have drawn in. Because of some other properties... Oh, by the way, any random nerd chatter is related to this show because it is just about diving into every corner of nerdery. That's my excuse. Kayfabed. Bang. Whatever. Go on about this one a bit longer. Work with me. When it comes to a lot of other things, when they draw the Nazis, I have my attitude. You should have known. You knew they would have been into this. (laughs) <laughs> but with Warhammer 40k, it's like they came back to their grandparents' house and she's fucking dead and there are cockroaches everywhere. And they're like, oh, what fucking happened? <laughs> How do I get rid of these? Oh, they'll think I killed her. <laughs> so yeah, that, that, a brief aside of my fucking thoughts on Warhammer 40k there. But yeah, but yeah um, these oh, are yeah. Uh, deep tissue nerds, I, I should point out, by the way. like This show is almost like if you jumped against Sheik and... 15 fucking years which i think is kind of a cool thing about it i think i feel like it is a sauce that they occasionally pour on too heavy and i'm suddenly eating a garlic milkshake okay i can get that i think um for me what worked about this show was like yeah they're they're otaku in the background or whatever but then when it gets to the relationship writing uh it just felt exceptionally honest uh, whenever they started talking about that, like there was this really great, really fantastic uh, sex joke uh, a few episodes in uh, that that just fucking worked, at least as far as I understand, you know, like 20 somethings who have sex. Right. And aren't, you know, anime characters about it um, where uh, the High bar. the right. The main heroine is over at uh, her boyfriend's apartment. Right. And um, the implication is that she is staying the night. And uh, this entire time, she is fretting, not over the implication that, oh, oh shit, we're going to sleep together for the first time tonight. She's thinking, oh, I'm wearing really unflattering underwear right now. (laughs) I really wish that I weren't. (laughs) That'd be cool. That was a good gag. I think where the show gets in trouble with relationship writing is it always aims for the honesty, and that's a good trait of it. And it doesn't ditch that, but it does get wrapped up in sometimes what you can only call, like, the usual nonsense. Uh, do you got an example for me? I hate to put you on the spot. No, 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 it's fine. That's, uh, that's why I signed up for the army, sir. <laughs> <laughs> like, the difference in their fucking bus size is, like, to the point of a character tag, right? Like, they talk about it, it's used as a point of envy or whatever, right? Okay, in that sort yeah, of yeah, anime yeah. way that they talk about it. I'm sure there are plenty of people with, like, that insecurity on that front. But it manifests in that pure way you would expect it and have seen it on these shows. Oh, like, again and again and again, just... Okay, yeah. And for something that is essentially leaning, as far as I can tell, on your engagement with these relationships for the bulk of you, like, saying through it, like, the the weeb shit is supposed to be sort of the lure, and then you're supposed to, like, stay there for, I don't know, the heartthrobs, whatever the fuck, right? 
the dokies the dokies as as they call it <laughs> sorry i just remember the fucking kagusawa gag where she said yeah no that was one of the funniest fucking moments from any manga anime or whatever the last five years absolutely so to me um, it's a problem when that doesn't work because all right so when you make a slice of life thing with this topic right mm-hmm. i'm left to assume that you are going to be trying to keep me hooked in through the strength of the drama the character interactions or the comedy you're gonna, you're gonna pick one of these three or multiple you could do multiple that'd be great perfect world we're in an imperfect world here here they're basically leaning okay. on the characters because okay controversial statement knock on whatever i don't think it's that funny i would call it infrequently funny i was not rolling around at any given time uh but every now and again there would be a pretty funny gag i think oh fuck i should go find morgan there was this one gag a couple of episodes in that actually did have me laughing very loud oh shit that was the one it was a really fucking easy gag too but they just did it right where you know uh they have the main heroine, you know, having a reaction to something. And, you know, at first, you know, because she's treating this like it's, you know, some psychotic game. She's drawn like a, a what's his face? Keiji? Kaiji. Kaiji, yeah. And, and then later on, she's being very dramatic. So she's drawn like a JoJo character. And that was, I think, the show's funniest moment for me. So here's where my fucking cocaine-fueled advertising brain comes in handy. That was episode nine of this wonkiness. That joke particularly worked because I guess the framing for that one was they were trying to avoid saying otaku things on their date. Which, by yes. the way, is just one of those things where this show is just drift racing along a line between becoming very annoying for me and being endearing. And I'm kind of... I am f- almost fascinated by the experience of me watching this show. <laughs> I think I would not have liked the show as much as I did if they didn't have the fairly strong character beats that they did. I'm especially impressed with uh, the Hirotaka character, who is this, you know, very, very... <sighs> How would you call explain him? Like, very, you know, phlegmatic, non-expressive... They play this uh, Hirotaka guy off as a, essentially a very reserved, talented. You get the feeling that he's punching below maybe his professional weight class so that he can enjoy a certain lifestyle. Yeah, he's probably smarter than he, than he needs to be for you know this you know kind of salary man esque job that he has. I don't know if you tried to pass a gamer off as a Byronic type, I guess would be a way to put it without the sort of dominant romantic aspect. Yeah, I, he might be depressed. It's not entirely clear. What What is very clear is that he's very deeply insecure, um, which, you know, comes across in him sort of um, taking actions that he does not really need to take because the, the, the problem that he sort of perceives to be there in his relationship is not actually there. Uh, and, and if any of this is sounding kind of like Kakushi Goto, then um, that's not coincidence or anything like that. He seems to have a similar, you know, character trait in common with, you know, Kakushi Goto in that uh, he's quite insecure about who he is and this relationship, which he as unexpressive, not unexpressive, but as reserved as he is, um, this relationship that he has desperately wanted to have happen and desperately wants it to work. But he's, you know, kind of fumbling around in the dark, you know, as we all are, uh, you know, people have a hard time understanding one another. They have made an entire franchise about that called Mobile Suit Gundam. 
he spends, you know, however many episodes, you know, trying to do the right thing uh, and overcompensating. And uh, I can never hear anyone say do the right thing without imagining a black kid getting shot by cops. <laughs> a fucking dance. <laughs> Sorry, go on. I was doing a fucking. I was doing one of my things where I go on for a couple of minutes and try to actually get to the meat of the fucking program, but you fucking. Keep going. I, <laughs> no, no, it's your turn now, asshole. Alright, sure. So, when it comes to this guy in this relationship, they've framed it as this thing that essentially was this unrequited childhood romance, right? Yeah. This fucking plot thread might even just be the most characterizing of me being constantly in and out with the show first episode she bypasses him there's that meet cute slow down pause as she walks by is that hirotaka and i get the alarm like oh no my childhood friend fuck god damn it sam you piece of shit (laughs) better ditch him and then i i almost dissociate basically right and it looks like they're going to drag this out for 13 episodes of not wanting to talk to him. And she's just gone this bad, un- un- undefined relationship. And then, at the end of the episode, he just comes up and says, Hey, you know, we should date. And we just fast forward through what I thought was going to be 13 episodes of needles being pushed through my pinky. Because the CIA wants to know something. <laughs> they, like, bump through through all that in a way that felt human and adult and I appreciated that and I thought that was cool and then they use this childhood connection in different ways that I am all over the map in how I feel it's executed or is it cloning or is it clever and how many people wrote this mm-hmm. that could be oh, interesting oh yeah uh, one person one person it's a pixiv web manga it is an adaptation of a pixiv web manga by one dude ah uh, okay a pixiv web manga. Now I know. Um, I think. What do I think? Uh, I think. I don't think much. <sighs> yeah, after after fucking princess, whatever the fuck, I don't think much too much either. When it comes to when the show is working, and isn't working. Mm-hmm. When the show is doing fine, I just imagine like the TNT logo in the bottom left corner, right? Or the Adult Swim logo, like just a just network television. Okay. When it's doing poorly, I see the G four logo. No. And by the way, I, I should disclose this in terms of individual ones of this fucking show. That narrator thing, the RPG box, the digitized voice. Yeah. The pseudo game elements. I fucking hate that thing. I hate that oh, thing you, you, so you much. You found that annoying. That. <laughs> thing unfailingly is not funny unfailingly takes you out of the fucking scene unfailingly is on this brown note vocal wavelength i didn't know existed for me for whatever reason and i and i'm confused by this because i usually do hate this i uh i wasn't bothered by it i think it's because i understood that it was completely 110 percent non-diegetic oh yeah it doesn't break the show's reality it just annoys the piss out of me i suppose that's fair for my part i i wish that i could you know have a you know equivalent thing that i didn't like but there was nothing about the show that i didn't like i think i found it all to be at the very least completely acceptable i was mm-hmm. mostly just uh, impressed with the fact that it is an anime that is about a relationship in progress and when the fuck 
was the last time you saw an anime be about a relationship in progress rather than the just big, long, protracted dance around to the beginning of one? Well, as far as I can tell, Aeromanga Sensei was about halfway through the grooming process. <laughs> oh, man, I was on the subway home tonight, and I accidentally <laughs> groomed a 15-year-old. <laughs> Don't you, you know hate how it when is. you're at the grocery store and you're checking the price on avocados and you look behind you and you've already groomed three people? It's fucking terrible. It's just terrible how that happens. All these accidental problems. A moment I really liked, as far as I'm talking about the fucking spikiness of this thing, and this was actually a comedy moment, so, you know, not a total loss. There you go. Yeah. Everyone is very animated in that sort of shoujo style. Like they are, These are four, like, romantically color-coded characters... The outlines and are like visually color coded too. Yeah. Like one of them's blue, one of them's pink, one of them's green, one of them's orange. And it's not something they hyper emphasize, but all the normies, quote unquote, look like just normal fucking Japanese office workers. That the reason this is important is that it's deployed comedically once in the nine episodes I watched, and they've just gone through this whole. I remember if it's an extended dramatic or comedic sequence. It almost doesn't matter. Points they've been doing their animated thing. They're all talking about otaku nonsense in a sort of rom-com register. And there was just this woman with a cigarette and an umbrella looking to the left at them like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> and I, li- I like that. That was very much using the uh, world of the show to its advantage. To tell a joke. Yeah, I, I remember that gag. It was good. I found myself to be a big fan of the beta relationship, too. My main point of engagement with this show was the relationship writing, so I think it's what I'm going to talk about the most, because, like, the jokes, you know, they hit 60% of the time for me. They were there mostly as a bonus, just like, hey, thanks for watching. Here's, you know, a gag. It's like, oh, yeah, thanks for the gag. It's like a bread at a restaurant. Uh, or, or, like, free Coke refills. <laughs> What I found really funny, uh, because I'm get actually getting to that point in my relationship with uh, with Morgan, is just the the two members of the beta relationship will just, for fun, just kind of antagonize one another. <laughs> They'll just start dumb fights over stupid shit. <laughs> and it's clear most of the time they are not actually upset at one another. This is just an extended fucking bit. Like, every now and again, you know, one of them will get kind of insecure when they drink, but for the most part, they're just fighting over nonsense because this is funny to them. The thing that this show might want to do a bit less with the the beta relationship and the relationship between uh, pink female lead and green female lead, you've got to crack my uh, 8 out of 10 register to get proper nouns after princess connect nothing wrong with the show just my brain is fucked but that's yeah totally fair they go into the well of the jrpg battle visuals during an argument thing whenever they square off oh yeah that was hilarious it wasn't fucking hilarious the first time and the fourth time it was like just let me hear them fucking argue oh my god Speaking of action RPG gag, I, I I do remember like one gag that I absolutely fucking loved was th- there's an episode where you know they all you know have been playing this one MMO or whatever, uh you know they all have you know fun outfits and stuff you know they they've gotten you know their transmogs together they've got really cool looking gear and here's like here comes motherfucking Hirotaka who is at the level cap 
he's playing this game like he's in fucking method or icy veins or whatever. Like this is no fucking challenge to him anymore. And he's wearing a goddamn gag outfit. Oh, he has the sunglasses and the has the sunglasses and a weird banner. And sometimes he wears like a hat that is a I don't know what it is, just a blob, a, a fucking um dango. Um, <laughs> I remember just watching him show up. And just thinking, you dropped this king. <laughs> um, as that that level of insouciance, I, I I find deeply magnetic. Whoever made this loves Monster Hunter with a capital M. Oh yeah, yeah. They, they, that's just it. Seems to be one of the uh, the main game that he plays. He's just he's just always fucking on his Switch, I guess. His Switch playing an older generation of Monster Hunter. I don't know which generation I uh, I started playing with World. There are cards on the tables, y'all. By the way, because I talked about that whole Dan Harmon on the beach thing, to create a sense of unity, I actually thought of an interesting thing in terms of this show's exact weight class in my head. Okay. And there was a time around when Community was crushing it and all the other fucking sitcoms and television were radioactive liquid ass. Yeah, yeah, and I do think that... Uh, I do think that uh, that communities and uh, Big Bang Theory's runs, uh, respective runs, overlapped at some point. So during that overlap, during that overlap, so you had your fucking Big Bang theories, which we'll, we'll just say are your Princess Connects, right? Hmm. And then you had like your sort of community or prison schools kicking around, right? Yes. But I remember at this exact point, in that sea of wretchedness, there was this. Okay, plus was the grade I would give it. Show called Happy Endings. That started getting traction. It got traction because Happy Endings was a little better than okay in a sea <laughs> of ass. And that actually got the showrunners in trouble over time. Like the difference between like a sort of mid carter like Happy Endings and a contender like Community. Because they ended up hiring the Happy Endings guys to run community when things ran afoul of Dan Harmon. And no one in media history has been more exposed. That's interesting. I didn't actually know that story. That's a really cross-referential, complicated, mealy-mouthed way of saying this show is pretty good. Yeah, I, I, I absolutely agree. It's a pretty good show. I, um, I'd recommend it, I suppose. I do not think that it is a masterpiece by any stretch of the imagination. I think uh, its greatest strength is that it kind of understands how people go about relationships in their 20s. Um, And, you know, I like watching shows about people who are, you know, of my age doing the things that I do, which is to say being into weeb shit, you know, being 26. Oh, God, it's not 26 anymore. Uh, Being in their mid to late 20s, late 20s being in a relationship and enjoying weeb shit, right? So that's, here I am, you know, just watching, not me, but, you know, me adjacent people doing the things that I do and, you know, with enough honesty in the writing that, you know, I do the seal clap. So recommend is an interesting word because uh, this is the same season you have fucking Aparya Ronman or the fucking sad boy. Oh, this is from a couple of years ago. This is from a couple years ago, this show. Oh, Jesus Christ. Okay, so my sense of time is warped. Like 28, 
2018, 2019. It was it was at least a year ago. Oh, so after the before times, but before the current times. <laughs> I'll stop. But uh, <laughs> it's pretty good. Um, I think that the cracks in armor might be wide enough that the show basically benefits from a very specific perch. The age thing does set it apart in a medium where everyone seems to be 14 or an elder wizard. Yeah, it's Jose. I like Jose. Jose is a really good demographic. I might say that I think that it's the holes in armor wide enough that if you were, I don't know, 22 or 31, I would just say dig elsewhere. Yeah, okay. I think I definitely like it as much as I do because of, you know, where I happen to be in life and it has less to do with the show's actual quality. I don't know, it has something to do with the show's quality, but, like, a lot more to do with the fact that, like, oh, yeah, I am, you know, a millennial. I'm about to turn 30. And I can definitely tell you this. In a little bit. It is way more worth your fucking time than Princess Goddamn Connect. They hybridized Gotcha and fucking Isekai. We are all... We're done. We're done. The human experiment is over. It's not over. I know it's not over. Do you know why it's not over, Sam? Why is it not over, Denard? Because with the flame of mankind and progress, we are taking this garbage to space. At one point, your great-grandchildren will set foot on Mars, and your great-grandchild will smack a handheld off of his son's cyborg hand and say, stop <laughs> watching that harem bullshit, we're in public. <laughs> I live for the day when one of my descendants can call an alien a plip <laughs> for his taste in anime. I mean, you know, some of these things uh, seem to pass down online. Aren't you like four generations deep? There was a guy who was like a socialist agitator or some shit. Yes. Um, that was my great grandfather on my dad's mom's side. Hot damn. My dad describes him as a glorified thug, but I don't know. He shot fascists. He was pretty cool. You gotta look at the totality of the human being, right? Mm-hmm. Anyway, this, my friends, has been Weeaboo Hell. It's been Weeaboo... Not even Weeaboo Hell, more just Weeaboo Nexus of the Universe. It, it, I already made the gag. I'm not gonna make it again. It's Weeaboo Nexus of the Universe. I'm Denard Dale, sometimes known as Blind Monkey. My name is irrelevant, as are all the choices that we make. But you can call me Mute Monkey, Sam Legault, whatever. Have a good one. Don't groom people. You probably shouldn't groom people. Ah, fuck it, on a roll. Fuck 12. Fuck 12! Right, three, two, one, clap. Ow, nice. fuck. Ah, I fucked up. What happened? <laughs> I was fucking around with this mandolin slicer that I got for my birthday, uh, and because it's a mandolin slicer and I'm a moron, I, of course, cut myself kind of badly. Jesus. Uh, <laughs> like just so, now? So, no, no, no. I mean, this was this morning, right? But me clapping just now opened that up. <laughs> Ow. So... <laughs> So I'm sitting here, you know, bleeding. I don't even know what a mandolin slicer is.
It's a cool little device. You can use it to uh, to slice things really thin, um, really quickly, uh, cool. and also uh, cut your fingers off if you're a dumbass like I am. Cool. Don't die between episodes or during an episode. Just don't die. Oh, if I died during an episode, though, that that that'd be pretty fucking neat. That'd be like um, network, right? Did he die during the episode on network? I. All right. I've never actually seen network. <laughs> Neither have I. I'm pretty sure I get it confused with a uh, broadcast or the fuck, but I'm gonna I'm gonna roll us into something a little different. Okay. 